curiosity, how many of you have traditions in your family that you always do during the Christmas season? Some of you have those? Growing up in our family with three boys, the tradition for us was on Christmas Eve, we were allowed to open one gift on Christmas Eve. It was always the gift from Grandma and Grandpa. And after a few years, you kind of knew what was coming. You know, the first two years, you're excited because you felt a present on Christmas Eve. And then you open it and you're excited, but it's not what you were hoping for. Because there was a running theme with my grandmother for the longest time where Christmas Eve's gift was either a new pair of pajamas or a couple of pairs of socks. And that tradition went on for years and years and years, and it was my fault the tradition got broken. But it's really not my fault. It's more like my dad's fault, but he wants to blame me, since it's easier to blame the child than the adult. Because my dad was responsible for handing us the gifts we were to open. So he handed us our gifts on this Christmas Eve. We saved from Grandma. We all have the same look, my brothers and I, of, well, we wonder what it is this year. Pajamas or socks? One of the two. So we start opening our presents. My brother got a pair of socks. The baby brother got a pair of socks. But my package was not a pair of socks. Mine, and those of you who are under the age of 30 have no idea what I'm fixing to say. So it was a Walkman. Right now, somebody's Googling, what's a Walkman? Um, I wish you could have seen my parents' eyes. Because that was not the gift from Grandma. My dad had given me the wrong gift. You can't take it back on Christmas Eve. So I was a happy boy going to bed on Christmas Eve. My brothers, on the other hand, had looks of, when did he become a favorite grandchild? Filled with 6,000 pounds 
a concrete with a note that said, have a good year. The tradition went on, I said, for 25 Christmases. It finally ended when Roy tried to encase the pants in 10,000 pounds of jagged glass. And as the glass melted, the pants caught on fire and were destroyed. I gotta be honest with you, if I had that tradition, man, my brothers would hate me for a long time. We think about our tradition, we get so caught up in tradition. Think about this for a moment. Why do we put up a Christmas tree? I mean, I love our Christmas trees. Christmas trees are beautiful, but why do we put them up? There's speculation as to why we put up a Christmas tree. There are some that think it comes from Roman mythology. There are some that think that the 16th century Germans or even Martin Luther himself is behind the Christmas tree. When you think about all the things that are wrapped up in Christmas, you think about those traditions we hold close to our hearts. But as we enter this time of year into this Christmas season, I am reminded that much of our world pauses on this holiday, and they don't know why. There are people who live in our world who have no reason why we slow down and hit the pause button during the Christmas season. Can I share with you this morning why we pause, why we slow down to change our focus during this holiday season? I would encourage you this morning to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning. As you're turning there, you're going to see that it is a familiar passage of Scripture to some. But in this passage of Scripture, this gives us the reason why we pause for the holidays. Why we have some of these traditions. Why we do what we do during the Christmas season. Specifically, I want you to look down at verses 13 and 14. This morning, we lit the second candle of Advent. This morning we're talking about proclamation. In verse 13 we see these words. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This morning as we look at the very first proclamation of Christmas, that comes from heaven to earth, we hear it through the voice of angels speaking to shepherds. And this verse reminds us of our why. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we pause? Why do we do the things we do? Scripture says that suddenly there are a host of angels proclaiming and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. But I remind you this morning that this proclamation started not with a multitude of angels, but with one angel. Because if you look there in verse 13, Scripture in my translation says, Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. If you go back up to verse 9 in this chapter, it says, An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were afraid. But that lone angel gives them great news that they're going to get excited about. Because he says there in verses 10 and 11, he says, Behold, I bring you the tidings of great joy that will be to all people. Verse 11, for there is born, look at that, to you 
a Savior, this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. That is our why. That is the proclamation. This lone angel says there has been a baby born in Bethlehem who is the Savior, who is the Messiah. And this multitude of angels cries out, glory to God, peace on earth. But this morning, the peace that we're going to learn about, it's not the peace that's proclaimed. It's not a proclamation of world peace. That's not what the angels are talking about. They're not talking about world peace, and it's not a declaration to end strife and war. The angels don't stay up in there and say, hey, you now have world peace. Guess what? You're not going to have any worries. You're not going to have any struggles. This announcement that we read in verse 14 is not an announcement that says, guess what? You're going to get along with your neighbor. That's not what the angel is saying because it is so much bigger and more important. What the multitude is declaring to the shepherds and declares to us today that Jesus has come to be the sin bearer who removes that barrier from us to give us access back to the Father and restores our relationship with Him and peace with God. It's a peace that Jesus brings with Him that comes from God, but through Jesus Christ. The peace we read about here in verse 14, the peace that you and I have the opportunity to experience, is a peace that comes from faith in Jesus and the forgiveness that follows. That is the peace that is being shared with us this morning. It's a peace that only Jesus Christ can give you today. But with that peace, with that assurance, comes the forgiveness of our sins. Let me show you an example of that. Take your copy of God's Word. Turn over a few chapters to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we read about a woman. Scripture says that she was a sinful woman. She was a woman of reputation. But notice what Scripture says here in Luke chapter 7. Verse 37 tells us about her. Verse 37, Luke chapter 7. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. That is her condition at the moment. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. We learned that this woman took this, this expensive oil, she pours it on his feet and washes his feet with her tears and with her hair. She is showing this act of worship to Jesus. We know she's a sinner. But jump down to verse 48 in the same chapter. Notice what Jesus says to her in this act of worship, recognizing that she is a sinner. Jesus says to her in verse 48, he says to her, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. But it doesn't stop there. Jump down to verse 50. Notice what else he says to her. He says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The same peace that Jesus talks about here is the same peace that we read about in Luke chapter 2 that the angels are proclaiming. It's because of the forgiveness of sin, you and I have peace with God. Think about that for 
Because Jesus Christ came and died for your sins, you have peace with God. A peace you cannot get any other way. So it's no wonder that when we go back to Luke chapter 2, the angels are saying, glory to God in the highest. Because only God can give us that peace. It's only through the words of the angels that declare the peace that you and I get to experience because of what Jesus is going to do for us. In some translations in Luke chapter 2, it doesn't use the word peace. In some translations, it uses the phrase, whose favor rests. That term favor rests is the same idea as peace. But I love this explanation of peace. If you read the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it says that those whom God favors rest. They're like little children to whom God has graciously revealed truth according to His good pleasure. We think of that peace resting on us, a peace that's only accessible through Jesus Christ. If you were to look at Luke chapter 10, verse 21, after the 72 followers have gone out and ministered, they come back sharing stories with Jesus about how God has used them. And I'm fixing to put the verse on the screen here. Notice what Jesus says to them. He says to them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Jesus says, Father, thank you for using them. Thank you for revealing these truths to these who are not wise. They're not educated. They're not the smartest people in the room. But their hearts are open. Their hearts are accessible to you. And they are open to learn from you and be used by you. Over in the Believer's Commentary, talking about this verse behind me, about being a babe in Christ, being a young child in Christ. Listen to what it says here. The 70 were not wise and proof men of the world. They were not the intellectuals or the scholars. They were mere babes. But they were babes with faith, devotion, and unquestioning obedience. The intellectuals were too wise, too knowing, too clever for their own good. Their pride blinded them to the true worth of God's beloved Son. It is through babes that God can work most effectively. When God reveals His truth to us, when His favor rests on us, it's a result of our hearts being open and accessible to Him. So we can experience the peace that we're talking about in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. So in thinking of the word peace this morning, I want you to think about three things. First, I want you to think about passing the peace. Passing the peace. Remember, Jesus brought peace to us through God. It's our greatest response to this amazing news that we get to praise and proclaim that Jesus Christ died for us. And because of that, we have tradition. Because of that, we have celebration. But I'm reminded of this truth. This time of year,
got to be sociable and you don't want to be sociable? I mean, I know I have it in my family, so. But we know it's coming. And for many of us, we are stressing out over the Christmas season. We're stressing out because we know who we're going to have to hang out with. We're stressing out because we know we have to spend time with them. Because we're so stressed, we deal with strife and we deal with conflict. But think about this. Because you have experienced the peace of God because you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have a special opportunity to proclaim peace in your family in the same way the angels proclaim peace to the shepherds. Over in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, we read that blessed are the peacemakers for they are called children of God. We are called a child of God because we are called to be a peacemaker. Now, I want to share something with you this morning. There is a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. Too many of us are trying to keep the peace instead of being a peacemaker. When Jesus came, he brought us the peace that came from God. He did not create some kind of uneasy truce. He didn't call a time out. He brings us back into right relationship with God. And I'm reminded of this statement in your outline this morning. Jesus didn't tolerate us. He restored us. Think about that for a moment. Jesus does not look at you and go, oh, there he is again. Jesus doesn't say, I hope he turns a different direction. No, it's not that Jesus tolerates us. It's that Jesus restores us. Brings us back into right relationship. Jesus didn't come so he could make a way to endure us. He came so he could draw near to us so we can have a relationship with him. Again, I told you it's about being a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. We have peacekeepers all over the world. The United Nations says right now there are 16 different peacemaking operations going on. And the purpose of these peacemaking, keep peacekeeping operations rather, is to help prevent conflict and reduce suffering, build stable and prosperous societies, and enable people to reach their full potential. That's what peacekeeping does. But we want to be peacemakers. We want to show people what it means to have a relationship with God. We want to show what it means to have a life where God does the leading. We want to be peacemakers to restore relationships and bring the harmony back to one another. Listen, you're not going to avoid conflict. You're not going to avoid strife. But guess what? We are all designed to be in relationships. And because God designed us that way, He's called us to be peacemakers. Think about this. And I'm going to use very improper English right now. But aren't you glad that the angels didn't say this? And on earth, tolerance to those he decided to endure. Sometimes I wonder. Or how about this? And on earth, God puts up with those to whom he favored rest. It's not that God puts up with us. It's not that God tolerates us. It's that God brings us true peace with God. And for some of us this morning, in this Christmas season, we lack peace with our families. 
We lack peace with our friends. Why? Because we're in conflict with our parents. We're in conflict with our children, our brothers, our sisters. And listen, we're just trying to survive the holidays. We're just trying to get to the next day so we can get on with the rest of our lives. Because you know what's going to happen. When you get together with those certain people, the fights are going to start again. The argument's going to take place again. And you're going to get stressed out for looking at your watch and saying, is it time to go? Because we all do this. Because we don't allow God's peace to work in us and through us. For many of you this morning, you're struggling during this holiday season. You're struggling to keep it together. And you're trying to hold on to whatever peace you can grab onto you onto and hold on to. But may I remind you that this Christmas season, more than any other, you have an opportunity to be that peacemaker. Why? Because you recognize and acknowledge that Jesus came to die for you and was resurrected so you can be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. That is the good news that we get to proclaim. That's the good news that we get to share. Because if you don't go in with a mindset of being a peacemaker, guess what? You're going to deal with the stress. You're going to deal with the guilt. You're going to be dissatisfied with everything going on. And you're going to have headaches and heartache. And instead of enjoying peace, you're reaping the benefits of stress. And it's going to drive you crazy. So how do we pass the peace? It's by realizing that God's got to be first. I don't want to see a show of hands this morning. But how many of you struggle with what to get a family member for Christmas? We all struggle with that, don't we? Oh, Lord, what am I going to give them this year? And then we're going to wrestle with the guilt that it's not the right thing. And we're going to be so stressed out because in our minds we're going to think they don't like it. They're going to send it back to us in a crushed gremlin. And we get so worked up over this. But I think about peace. And I think about the fact that my life doesn't have to be consumed with other things other than the love that God has for me. Because here truly is the difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. I'm going to put it on the screen behind me. Peacekeeping tries to appease, patch together, and keep everyone satisfied are just quietly disgruntled. That's what peacekeeping does. We're trying to make everybody happy. Trying to make everybody get what they want for Christmas. And we lose our minds. Because we're stressing out this way, we have no peace. We can't enjoy the meaning of the season. But when you're a peacemaker, the peacemaker deals with the underlying issues and brings healing and restoration. Because you see, that's what God's Son did for us. He brought us restoration. He brought us peace. He takes care of the things that we can't handle on our own. And you and I, because we know Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to pass the peace. We have an opportunity to demonstrate and proclaim what Jesus has done for us to our families and to our friends. But we're not talking about just passing the peace. There also needs to be a deeper peace. 
Because this holiday season, we get so caught up with everything else, we forget the real mission. We forget the real reason of the season. Think about your calendars right now for the month of December. You start looking at the calendar and you're just praying for a day that's open where nothing is going on. Because you've got this event and that event. You've got this thing and that thing. And we get so caught up in what's going on during the Christmas season on the calendar, we forget why we celebrate Christmas in the first reason. Why we celebrate it? Why is it we need to have a deeper peace this holiday season? Take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 3. James chapter 3, I want to show you what a deeper James chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Notice what James writes in these words. James chapter 3, starting in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This holiday season, you and I should be more concerned, not less concerned with proclaiming the peace of Jesus. So you and I, we should be centered on living out the gospel with our family and friends. We don't forget about the hot gospel because it's the Christmas season. We rejoice in the gospel because of the Christmas season. So how do you make the connection between peace, knowing God, and sharing that with family and friends, this deeper peace that we have? Because let's think about it. During the holiday season, you're going to have an opportunity to have a lot more conversations. During the holiday season, you're going to have an opportunity to make more connections with people. So what do you do? You've already experienced this deeper peace. How do you pass the peace on to others? I think you pray for wisdom in these different connections. I think you pray about how you're going to share the gospel. I think you need to be pure, as James says. You need to be peace-loving. You need to be considerate. You need to be submissive, full of mercy and good fruit impartial and sincere. Listen, I am praying personally that God will give me the wisdom to be able to interact with those who don't know Jesus Christ, either friends or family. I am praying that God will show me the best way to share the good news of Jesus Christ by showing me who I should speak to and when I should just let things go. And something else that I'm having to learn myself, and this is hard for a lot of us in this room, but I put it in your outline because I want you to see it yourself. And this is what I've learned, and I'm trying to learn, and what I hope you will learn as well. Just because you're right doesn't mean you're being righteous. And we want to be right. But that doesn't mean we're righteous. Listen, we have family members and friends who will bait us 
into unproductive arguments. They will bait us into getting into arguments this holiday season. And it's kind of like that shiny fishing lure that we use when we go fishing. We pray that it attracts the right fish to bite it. And so we let that lure go back and forth. And because it's shiny, it attracts it. It moves a certain way. It attracts that fish. For you and for me, we've got to avoid these lures that draw us into conflict, that draw us into want to defend a certain stance. It causes us during the holiday season to argue about politics. It causes us to argue about our favorite sports team. Listen, for some of you, I'm praying for you after last night. Amen. But here's the issue. Listen, we'll argue about our favorite team losing and forget about sharing the gospel with a person who needs it. Because we are caught up by that lure of, I'm right, and I'm going to show you. And if I'm right, that means that I've got it all correct and squared away. But guess what? Just because I'm right, that doesn't mean I'm acting righteous. I'm not showing the peace that God has shown me by trying to make my way be the correct way. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is shut up and don't say anything. And in other times, you need to speak. Other times, you need to say the word. It's learning the difference. Again, you and I are called to proclaim peace. We're called to proclaim peace with family and friends. And listen, as you proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, you're going to have people who don't understand and don't want to help. You're going to have some people who just want to argue with you. So I encourage you to pray to the Father for wisdom and discernment to seek the difference between sharing the gospel, sharing the peace of God, and being able to not take the bait and get into an argument. Because like it or not, part of being in a family or being with long-term friends means we're going to bump into one another. There's always bumping into each other when we're at a party, in a family gathering. There were two molecules who were walking down the street. One molecule bumped into the other and said, oh my, I'm so sorry, are you okay? The second molecule angrily said, no, I'm not okay. I lost an electron. The first molecule said, are you sure? And the second molecule said, I'm positive. It worked. Hallelujah. But that's typical of our relationships and our struggles. We forget that people, listen, guess what? People are not born annoying. People are not born rude. They're not born cruel. Listen, you and I, we all have families like Cousin Eddie. We love him and we care about him, but we all have a family member like this guy. And we tolerate him and put up with him. We were called to love him. I am reminded over and over and over that people become rude, they become annoying, they become opinionated and angry because of what the world throws at them and how they choose to respond. That's why we have people who act the way they do is because of what they have to deal with. We do, we have people that are annoying. We have people that are rude. We have people that are opinionated. Oh my Lord, have mercy. We have people who are angry. 
but they're this way because the world throws stuff at them. And guess what? The one thing we all share with these kind of people is this. We share in brokenness. Because we are all broken people. But guess what else we share in? We share in the need of grace. Because just like that person who annoys you, drives you crazy, they're as broken as you are. And they need the same grace that you experience. And it comes from a deeper peace. As a peacemaker, you get to proclaim Jesus to those who are a little rough around the exterior. You get to show mercy as a peacemaker. Remembering that it's not about an opinion. It's about everyone's need for a Savior. Listen, I have never been in an argument with a person in arguing about them getting to know Jesus. I should never have to argue with somebody about Jesus. My call is to love them into the kingdom. But I've never argued with someone to get them to follow Jesus. But I pray for them. I've loved them. But in the midst of tradition, in the midst of everything going on, we forget how precious people really are. Because we're so caught up. Because even the most difficult person, the most draining people in your lives need God. They need to know Jesus Christ came to this earth so they can have peace with God. But at least to this third thought, being peaceful. Because before you can proclaim peace, you have to possess it. And guess what? None of us are expected to be perfect. But yet in the world we live in, it becomes a little more difficult to share the good news of Jesus Christ when you and I are stressed out, overwhelmed, and exhausted. When we're trying to run with the world, we cannot share the good news of Jesus Christ. So for me and for you, our proclamation must first begin with us accepting and embracing the peace we have with God. Think about it. As an individual, you and I get the opportunity to fully accept what Jesus has done for us. And in turn, we get to share it with those that we love and those that we care about. And we want to share the good news. Why? Why do we need to be compelled to share the good news? Why do we need to be compelled to have the rest, the peace that God has given us to share with others? Go back to Luke chapter 2 and let me remind you this morning why this is so imperative. Why this is so important. In Luke chapter 2 verse 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. That's why we share. That's why we're called to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Listen, we don't earn God's favor. We don't earn God's grace. We don't earn His mercy. But His favor rests on us only because we accept it. By putting our faith in the cross. That's how you and I experience peace. Because we've embraced it. We've accepted it. We have said yes to Jesus Christ for dying for our sins. So in order for us to be better at proclaiming the peace of God. 
We need to be encouraged to have peace ourselves. For me and for you, it means that in order to walk and remain in peace with Jesus, friends, we need to be disciplined in where we allow our minds to go and the things we allow ourselves to think about. Why don't you have peace? Because you're not thinking about it. You're worried about thinking about everything else. I love this quote by Rick Warren. He said, think about what you think about. Think about what you think about. Think about the things of God. Scripture tells us no less on how we're to think about other things. One more time, take your Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. One more passage I want you to see this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5. About this deeper peace. About thinking about the right things. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to start in verse 3. But 4 and 5 is where I want you to really pay attention to. We need to write the start. So we're going to start in verse 3. Of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Scripture says... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. When you and I are living in peace with God, we proclaim peace. It's not possible. It is impossible to lose it in our minds. We don't allow our, we don't allow our minds to wander off from the things of God. If I'm not thinking about the things of God, I'm in trouble. But when my mind and my heart are focused on the things of God, everything is put into perspective. Think about this. How many of us and I'm guilty of this. Have had a fight with a family member before you actually saw them? You ever had to fight in your mind? We've all done that. You've already said what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, and what you're going to do. But if you and I are trying to win an argument before it started, how are we going to proclaim peace to that same family member? If I'm more worried about what I'm going to say to that family member in an argument, then how can I bring peace? How can I bring love? How can I bring mercy? So instead of thinking of ways to defend myself, maybe I should be prayerfully thinking about how I can show this person love and grace. How I can be a person who proclaims peace by using wisdom and patience instead of jumping to conclusions and quickly sometimes misinterpreting what the other person is saying. That comes from a deeper peace. Because for you and for me, a peace proclaimer always hopes, always believes, always endures. That's what peace making is about. It's not about keeping the peace. It's about making the peace with those we care about. Don't lose me in it. Think about what it takes to make peace within your family this morning. What is that going to look like? Came across a story of two brothers, Alvin Strait and his brother Henry. Now listen to this story. 
at 63, Alvin got into a fight with his brother. Now, Alvin is sitting on the lawnmower, and that's going to be very important here in about 30 seconds. These brothers were separated by 240 miles. Alvin lived in Iowa. Henry lived in Wisconsin. After they had this major blow-up and they split apart, Henry had a stroke at 80 years old. So when Alvin heard the news, he knew he had to get to his brother. And he was determined to get to his brother, to reunite with his brother and make peace with his brother. At 73, Alvin's eyesight was so bad he couldn't get a driver's license. So he took things into his own hand. He packed a trailer with gasoline, camping gear, and food and attached it to his riding mower and started on the journey to see his brother. He traveled going five miles an hour, 240 miles to see his brother. It took him six weeks going five miles an hour to go from Wisconsin to Iowa to make peace with his brother. A month later, Henry recovered from his stroke and moved back to Iowa to be closer to his family. But think of the lengths that Alvin went to to see his brother. He hadn't talked to him in 10 years. But because of how he knew he had to get there, it wasn't going to let the fact that he couldn't drive a car stop him. You and I know we can't change people. We can try, but we can't change people. But you and I can proclaim peace to those who care about it. So here's the question this morning. During this Christmas season, how far are you willing to go to share the peace you have with Jesus with people you love? How far are you willing to go to share the peace that you have with people you know? Better yet, are you willing to take the first step to go see that person and tell them that you love them and that Jesus loves them? Alvin Strait drove 240 miles over six weeks to make peace with his brother. When we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angels declare, Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. In the midst of celebrations, in the midst of traditions and even obligations, will you put forth the same effort to proclaim peace with others? Every head bowed and every eye closed. You and I are called to be peacemakers. You and I get to share the greatest story ever told of how God crossed the chasm of heaven to come down and dwell with us and bring us peace and bring us back into a right relation with the Father. And here's the best news. That for those of you here this morning who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you can come this morning just as you are and accept this grace, accept this peace. Accepting the peace that God has for us, does it make life easier? No. But it makes it easy because you have the Father with you. Life will be perfect. And he calls us just as we are. For those of you who know Jesus Christ, you know this peace. There may be a family member that you need to restore peace with this morning. 
There may be a friend, a co-worker, that you need to stop trying to be a peacekeeper and become a peacemaker. For some here this morning, it may start with being a part and joining this fellowship as a member of this church. Whatever the case may be, this morning as we enter into a time of response, a time of invitation, allow God to be the peace in your life that passes all understanding. Father, as we approach this moment, Father, we approach this time of invitation, a time of response, Father, I pray for those who have been trying to be peacekeepers, that, Father, they will become peacemakers because of the peace you have given us. Father, this morning I pray for those who may not know you. They've never asked you to be Lord and Savior of their life, but this morning they can enter from darkness to light, and they come just as they are. Father, again, there may be some this morning that have desired to be part of this congregation, whatever the case may be, as we move into this specific time, may we all be reminded whether we know you or we don't know you. You call us to come to you just as I am. So, Father, I pray that you move there in this time and your will be done. We pray this in your son's precious holy name. Amen. Let's all